This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Wolf, Starks, and the Ninjas in the Locker Room, ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio. Let's go to the phones. we got numbers 412-919-1316. Let's start with Ed in Cleveland. Ed, how you doing today, buddy? Just working, guys. Working, man. I'm I'm a I'm a meat manager at a local grocery chain, and Thanksgiving, boy. <laughs> and uh, uh, man, they they want these chitlins, man, bad, and they can't. I can't get enough of them. Yeah. Buying them, so, uh, I don't know if you guys ever ate them, but uh, they love them around here. Anyway, guys, I just want to get off with the uh, with start. I want to start with uh with uh, game balls. Uh, again, I didn't get a chance to call yesterday. Uh, so, uh, I want to give both cams, Hayward and Sutton. I mean, well, Ed, first of all, understand we don't give game balls out on a loss. Okay. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) I have to give both of those. Here's, here's what I want you to give them, Ed. Listen to me. Give them a turkey. Okay. We'll give them a turkey. All right. I'm going to give them a turkey. All right. The guy, the one guy was doubled and playing his butt off all day. I mean, how did you not get Oh, I know. I mean, he's. The guy nearly won the game himself. And then Sutton, I don't know if you guys obviously have seen, he was fired up, man. That guy was calling his, his teammates out, you know, wanting to play. I was pumped up, man. I felt good after this guy, guy game. We were missing uh, three of our top four defenders. Uh, three of our top four defenders on, on defense, not, and, and not even to mention, you know, like you said, Alaralu Alu and, and, uh, and Tuid and, you know, Davis. We were just hobbled, and I, I feel good. I know we got one of the toughest schedules going down the stretch here, guys, but this season is shaping up to me like 2005. And I see if, if we can stay healthy, any team any team has has the chance to win this win this whole AFC North. And, and the worst team is is within two games. I just I just feel like we're there, and I feel like we have the talent. Like Max said earlier, you know, a lot of people aren't giving us credit, but I, I just feel like our talent is there. And, and then another thing, was there a game last year? I remember Ben had close contact, and he had to sit out of practice all week. And he that was Cincinnati. He threw, like four, he threw like four touchdowns in that game. Cincinnati at Heinz Field. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and he had an awesome game. So maybe we ought to sit him out of practice more often. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's that's all I'm getting at. And, and then – I just, I just feel like, guys, and the team that's going to win the Super Bowl this year is the team that's the healthiest team. It's not the strongest or the best talented or, you know, the paper champions or anything. It's going to be the team that's healthy, and hopefully we can get healthy down the stretch. And uh, another thing I have is, I, obviously, you and Max seen this, but Hinesfield West, guys, wow, L.A., that stadium looked like it was filled with Steeler fans from the TV side of it. I don't know what you guys seen there, but, man, it looked – all they needed was Renegade, I thought. And they, and at the, for a minute there, I thought they played Renegade that way he started playing in the fourth quarter. Anyways, that's all I really got. Thanks for taking my calls. I want to thank both of you guys. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, stay safe, guys. Thank have you. a good one. Thank you so much, yeah. Ed. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ed. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Max, tell, talk a little bit about the crowd and how many Steeler fans oh. were out there. Was that amazing? L- listen, it, it, I, I would I would fathom, and I'll be conservative and say 65%, but I felt like it was more than that in the game where Steeler fans showed up, showed out. You know, Wolf, you remember the walk into SoFi from our parking space. Right. 
just the amount of fans we saw. Steelers Nation was in full effect. We saw Steelered out Jeeps, Steelered out trucks. I mean, painted. A motorcycle. Black and gold. A mo- yeah, that motorcycle at the end was phenomenal. And, you know, it was just, it was great. Like, Steeler fans, A, we travel, but B, more importantly, we're everywhere. We are everywhere. And it's truly, when you say Steeler Nation, there's not a place in this country that you won't find a Steeler <laughs> fan. Terrible towels. We're in there, and especially the moments. And and if you were out there and you heard our broadcast, <laughs> at one point I was like yelling and I was fired up. I thought I was going to run on the field. Um, <laughs> it was because you got that pure energy from the fans. I mean, I'm looking in the these field boxes that are at the lower levels um, behind the benches as I'm walking back and forth. Marvell Smith is there with his son Kingston. How about right? that? That was cool. You got to see Marvell. Yeah, I got to see Veli, so I high five Veli, uh, and, we, and we were going back and forth every time. You know, the Steelers were scoring in that fourth quarter. It was just, and it was just a tremendous sight to have so many Steelers and Steeler fans in the building. And like you said, I, I called it. I think at the beginning of the broadcast, I said, I said when we're talking about real estate that the Steelers have, this is the Steelers' beach house. This yeah. is their beach house home. SoFi <laughs> Stadium is is that location. Um, because it was, we, we were just all the way out there and I appreciate Steeler nation for showing up and we have some of the best fans in the entire world. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to limit us just to football. Um, Steeler fans are tremendous everywhere and it was great to see. And that energy, you felt it. I mean, it was, it was loud. LA was using a silent count at home. Right. Think about that. The home team had to use a silent count. Because Steeler fans were show, were show, were showed up in, in large force and, and consumed the stadium. You know, it's funny because at one point, both teams were using the silent count. And it was funny because, again, like you said, the Steeler fans were making so much noise. You knew that they were at least equal 50-50, if not 60-40. I thought it was more towards the 60-40 Steelers than it was the yeah. L.A. Chargers. And it was I, I think that's it, got to be humiliating for a home team to have to go to a silent count at your home stadium there. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, I felt like there was some sound pumped in to try and make their fans feel better about themselves. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Because it was so much louder when the Steelers scored or made a play than when the Chargers made a play and scored. uh, That I'm like, you had to to have manufactured that sound to make make Chargers fans feel better about themselves. Because that steel, it was, I mean, our entire side of the sidelines, well, there was nothing but Steeler fans. Right. And then when I looked across, that's what looked 50-50 was the opposing sidelines. I got you. I know we we outnumbered them. (laughs) Yeah, it's your mathematics, okay? Now, we talked about it earlier. I want to talk about it again because I'm I'm really frosted about this because I get sick and tired when you're going to make so much noise about – Cam Hayward supposedly punching Justin Herbert in the stomach when that was indeed, I thought it was Andre Roberts. I knew, and, and Labs really laid it out good. I like how the, the, all the effort spent all night long fighting off double teams, and here he is coming up and making a great tackle, What literally a game-saving tackle, um, you know, 40 yards down the field. He's exhausted. And, you know, somebody's shoving him from behind and everything, and he's trying to get up. He can't get up. I think it was right. But the fact of the matter is, like I I said, 
you know, if Cam, <laughs> just knowing Cam, if Cam's going to punch, you you know Cam's going to punch you. All right, you're not going to have any any problem, you know, going, gee, was that a punch? No, you're going to know that, that Cam was honked off and he punched you. He's not shy about that, all right, in any way, shape, or form. So for that, whatever that was, that was not a punch. That was not a Cam Hayward punch. That's for sure. Listen, it, when your dad's name is Ironhead, right. you don't have soft paws. Yeah, there you d- go. D- that's, that's all I'm saying. End of story. You're going to know it. You're going to know it. That, that That's all I have to say. So it was a BS call because, like you said, there were so many more egregious penalties that, that went unnoticed in that game that to sit there and dwell on him and not talk about the other Chargers players that did things. I mean, listen, I'm a tackle, and I, listen, I love finishing over a pile. I love right. flattening guys when I played within reason. But what Storm Norton did, he used his helmet as a spear. Oh, he as, did. As a battering ram. In the in – the, nothing. Was it in the ear hole? I mean, if I yeah, remember. Yeah, ear him. Yeah, it was ear hole shoulder direction where he aimed at Cam, at Cam Sutton, popped his helmet off. And everything, and nothing got reviewed. Kaiser White coming coming with the meat hook, the forearm shiver across the bow on Najee as Najee's trying to like kind of spin flip to get across to the first down, and he and you can see him rear up and use and yes. lead with that forearm. I'm like, I, I I need to hear about FedEx envelopes going going to that Chargers facility because. That was uncalled for. That 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 one on Najee pissed me off. That I stepped across the yellow line, Wolf. We know we're not allowed to step across the yellow right. line. Right, right. I mean, what are you going to say? Sometimes frontier justice needs to be dished out. You know, if the referees yeah. aren't going to take care of it, you know, this is this is through time immemorial. If the referees don't do something about it and take care of it, then the boys got to. You got to protect your own. You got to take care of your own guys. And that's frustrating to me because I've been put in that situation where, hey, the refs ain't taking care of it. All right, now we have to. Now you end up taking the brunt of it and because of the fact the referees are shirking their uh, in their job and being able to protect the players. You have to absolutely go out there and make sure that you're, you're not leaving that, you know, up to uh, the jurisprudence of the players. Uh, but if you're not going to make those calls, and those are obvious calls, that is – ridiculously obvious so in my mind is is you know watching that game and seeing it unfold and especially think about a storm a storm norton who's outweighing the guy by 150 pounds and he hits him while he's in a defenseless on his on the ground position he can't even he can't even curl up to take some of the brunt off you know it's just a matter yeah of, you know it, he's, he just got laid out and cam got gogulated there i mean his helmet popped off yeah, I mean he did, and and like you said, it, it was it was tough to see that. I mean, you're glad he he came back in the game, right? I mean, just like Najee did, right. so it wasn't as bad. But I mean, it was it was one of those things where it was like, okay, I see, I see that you got us when we're down, and you're and you're continuing to work on that. But now I got a five man posse, yeah, and that's the one thing you could say about our group, Craig, when I played, right. We made sure we squared things up, and we oh, made absolutely. it right by the end of the night. Listen, Willie Cologne, Chris Kubiatu, <laughs> D State, you know, Trey Essex when Trey was in the game. I mean, listen, you mess with one. I always say this. Listen, it's one thing to fight in the front yard with your brothers, right? Because yep. we both we both grew up with multiple brothers. Right. We can fight each other in our own yard, but the second somebody from outside our yard comes in. <laughs> 
You step in that area, guess what? All of us are coming together and we're whooping you. It doesn't matter what it is. One fight, we all fight. And that's just how we always (laughs) handled it. And that's what, you know, you hope the squad gets to that point. But, we, I mean, we were our own roaming justice crew. Right. We, we were a posse. We're like, listen, hey, Willie said it's time to go. It's time to go. I'm like, listen, whatever y'all do, I back your play. <laughs> I'm going to keep it within reason to make sure we don't get penalties. But, hey, listen. Or try to, whistles, yes. Yeah, try to. No I doubt mean, about it. For the most part, I did. Now, yeah. Willie did have a busted lip one time and that, that 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 one got a little carried away but oops yeah we we didn't play we but we didn't play i mean that was the thing we protected our guys like I said, have we to. ran up pick we picked everybody up off the pile so if cam you know if it was a cam type that was on top of our quarterback we're flipping you like a flapjack homie you're well yep. done get off <laughs> go lay well, on your own back i think your own time. <laughs> i think that's what happened with andre roberts you know i think he ran up but on a receiver doing it's not the same a receiver doing it's not no the oh same. no 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 I mean, it, but yeah, all yeah, i'm no. saying is yeah. he's i think he just created the problem that started in that little pile yeah. up there in a the little skirmish that's all but all right yeah, we're gonna no, go to break right. oh. Okay, we're going to go to break. The number is 412-919-1316 if you want to get on it. Let me know what you think about it. You know, I think, you know, I will say this. That that supposed punch, that was like the Sonny Liston ghost punch from Muhammad Ali, right? Didn't quite see yeah. it. I'm still waiting to see it, right? And Justin Herbert, what was that? I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't have evidence. CGI, Craig. CGI. <laughs> All right, we'll be back after this. <laughs> is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. And the number to call if you want to get in on is 412-919-1316. You know, uh, here's the thing that's amazing. You know, we got Max down in Mexico, and it was at Potsy, and everybody's leaving for the beach. They're leaving you, but... Somebody has a golf cart to go along with his rental home there. I mean, come on. Listen, listen, you know, who needs a rental car when you can get a rental cart? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> in, the, in the words of the famous uh, American inventor slash uh, philosopher, uh, Doc Emmett Brown, where we're going, we don't need roads, okay? That, that's what it is. From the book of Back to the Future, part, part, part one. Did you, <laughs> did you like that? Hey, the book that that uh, Back to the Future. I was actually on the Universal set, you know where they, you know the the clock was, yeah. you know in the in the town yeah. square and everything else. And Back to oh, the Future. Yeah. Oh yeah, I actually downtown saw that. Downtown Hill Valley. Downtown is, Hill Valley. Is that what it was? <laughs> I yeah. I was on that movie set. It was really wild. Tunch and I were out there. Um, what was it for? I think it was um, it was the off season of something or other. Uh, they had in Universal City, and then um, yeah. just happened that we took a tour over there, and it was it was cool. It was pretty cool, man. That 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 that's awesome. Yeah, Back to the Future probably one of you know one of those all time favorites that you can't help no matter what point the movie's on when you're flipping through the TV station. Right. You just stop and you watch it, and you know it, and you pick up exactly wherever it is. And uh, you know I love that entire franchise. And uh, yeah, no, I I, I, love, I love Back to the Future. I love Hello McFly. <laughs> yeah, Hello McFly, McFly. <laughs> just I love the tapping, you know, and just getting his yeah. attention. That was so funny. But 
So anyhow, you are now. This is your first real day down there, right? I mean, well, yesterday you yeah, got was, in, was, but yesterday was a travel day. So no, this is this is my first. It's my first morning slash afternoon slash excursion day. So you're enjoying crepes, and you got a nice omelet, and now you're gonna ensconce yourself yeah. on a golf cart down to the beach. You got four wheel drive yeah. on that bad boy. Well, I don't know, but we're gonna test it when I get on it. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, it's got four wheels, so I'm gonna push it to the limit. <laughs> I can only imagine. Oh, I can only imagine. Max, let me ask you something. Does the fact that basically this defense is starting to, I don't know, it's kind of like um, a last man standing defense sort of thing. You got T.J. Watt was down, Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick, Stefan Tua, Tyson Alu Alu. All right, they were all out. We know, okay. But Carlos Davis and Isaiah Laudermilk, and like Labs talked about, Isaiah wasn't even in the picture in the rotation of defensive linemen when we started this off, when we came out of camp, you know, so forth. But he he now has has become a, a a guy who his stature is noticed when he's not in the lineup, and that's that's a mm, uh, says a lot about where the <laughs> defensive line depth is right now, does it not? Uh, it, it screams loudly for an undertone, right? I think yeah. that's the biggest thing is that you look at it and you realize that a young guy who was not expected to really be a big integral part of this defense when the season started out proper, right? He was going to be a guy that was going to get some experience here and there, give Cam or Wormley or two at a blow or Alu Alu a blow and just kind of be a rotational fill guy to now becoming more of a, a staple, a guy that's a regular rotation within the defensive drive structure um, and, and started and is making a difference, right? He's starting to get into his own, and feel a rhythm, and he's starting to like, like, like we said the preseason, right? You'd always say he pops off the page. Yes. You know he's he pops on the game film, and that's what he's made his name. So now we've come to expect that pop, and to not have him in there to provide that pop or provide that push at an opportune time that even gets somebody else free, um, you know, is something that you know we're sorely missed, and that 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 speaks volumes for where we're at because we were looking for like. Okay, where, where's 92? Where's 92? <laughs> yeah. like, ah, he's not going to be in the game. Um, on top of our already three layers of, you know, starters that we're missing, um, it's one of those things that we've now become, he's now become that type of guy. And, that, and that's the thing. That's another thing about taking advantage of opportunities. Isaiah Loudermilk just kept chopping wood and kept steady to where he got his opportunity to now we know who he is. And we now miss or expect him to be out there when things are tough. It says so much about, again, the young man that he is and his growth and the problem of, you know, so many guys being out defensively speaking and defensive line, the lack of depth there. So it's a twofold problem. One of the problems that has, has been uh, that, that we've talked about in the past, too, is, you know, Devin Bush having some issues in, you know, linebacker play. Joe Schobert made a terrific play in that fourth down, filling the gap and dropping the running back, uh, you know, in his tracks. Um, Devin, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes Devin looks like he's he, he's not. You know, before he got hurt, one of, the, one of the things he seemed to be able to do was to be able to get to that point of contact before the lineman would, uh, you know, be able to intercept him. You know what I'm talking about? You know, yeah. beat the beat the offensive 
offensive uh, lineman to the point uh, in the hole. And now it seems like he's he, he's having trouble locating the ball. You know, I, I don't know whether it's a product of he's trying to make sure his his knee is always in a strong position, if he's having issues there or whatever. But we know that he's done it before. And if you've done it before, you can do it again. All right? So whatever yeah. is holding him back from being the productive player that he was prior to the knee injury, you know, it's a little bit of a mystery. But first of all, this is not all Devin Bush. All right? What's going on no. defensively speaking? Whoever thinks that they, they sit there and go, well, it's Devin Bush. He's not doing it. No. Devin Bush's uh, production hasn't been acceptable to the standard. But you know what? Everybody else on the defense has got to put their hand in the pile there and say, we haven't been, as a defense, acceptable to the standard. Yeah, and I think that's that's where we can't put it on. But I think it's also it's a matter of trust. I'm not sure Devin fully trusts his knee yet. I wonder. And, that, and that, that's something that, that's mental, right? right. You know, we, we both know this, that when you come off of injury, you're never 100% certain. Yes. At, at some point. I mean, I remember when I came off my ACL. I Yes, I played, you know, eight months after surgery, but I didn't feel comfortable for about a full year about what my knee could and couldn't do. And I didn't want to push it to that limit, especially in the middle of a season, because I'm like, I don't want to further set myself back by ending my season, by not making it to the end. And you're like, I have to be able to push it 1% every day or every week. And then, okay, I feel like I'm good to play in this little box. And then I widen the box just a little bit because I don't want to jump all the way to the edges of what my already athletic ability is like it used to be, because I don't know if it can handle it. Right. Even though structurally it might feel that the mental aspect won't allow you to feel comfortable enough to unload that type of way. And I think that's what we're seeing with Devin Bush is that we'll see explosive explosion and pops, but then it's like, Whoa, Hey, that was a little, I, ju- I jumped out a little bit too far. Let me reel this back in because I don't want to stress this because you, it's not like, a car where you drive it, you see the gas going down, right? Right. It's inside your body. So it's all about feel. And if you have a thought about it, then you just shut it down. If you think you're on E, you're on E. If you think you're at a full tank, you're on a full tank mentally. But that's the thing. You can't tell how strong it is and how far can I flex my knee? How far can I bend and twist if I get at the bottom of the pile or I'm tackling a guy? I must be in the proper position at all times. I can't kind of freestyle it. Oh, I don't want to step all the way into that because I don't know if my knee if my knee's going to buckle. So let me dive at a guy. Maybe that's a better shot because my knee is not stuck in the ground when I make contact. Right. All those things play into it, and that and that, that's the tough thing about it is trying to figure that out. You know, absolutely. Again, I go back to you know, Tunch used to always say, "Just because it is doesn't mean it's so. Just because it's happening doesn't mean it's always going to be happening." And in the same thing, it, it occurs with Devin. You know, you have done it before; you can do it again. And I, I look at that. Yeah. There's there's that same sort of thing going on. And I, I'm not ready to give up on this young man. I just you can see spurts of of stuff in him that you go, whoa, there it is. Now he's got to make sure it becomes more consistent and productive and able to do the things that he needs to do. But I am I am not at all sitting there thinking, okay, we're, we're done with this guy. No way. 
No, no, there, there's a lot left for them. And like I said, you know, if, if we're, if we're having the same conversation this time next year, it's a different story. Yeah. You know, but right now, considering what he came under, considering that in his mind, the plan going into camp was we had, we have enough until Vince Williams retired. Right. Right. We had enough until that moment. And then it kind of pressed you in the service. And then we're like, well, we need some additional support. Joe Schobert comes in. And so you're trying to stem it to help him out. He's out on dime package right now, right? Robert Spillane comes in. Like there's ways they're trying to help him to hopefully kick it in his head to flip right. over to let the light switch come on to, hey, you can play free because we have safeguards in place to help you out. Good point. You're worried or you're not feeling as good. But once again, you have to believe that, right? It all comes down to faith at the end, faith in yourself at the end to finally allow you to be free. But as long as you're still wondering or worried, it's going to make you go slower. Absolutely. All right, we're going to go to the phones. The number is 412-919-1316. I think we have the CR and Juan show coming out of Chicago and Charleston. Come into the locker room, fellas. How you doing? Hey, good morning, man. CR, Phil, this is Chicago. And good morning, guys. Juan, the Carolina Connection. How you guys doing? We're doing fabulous because I just got done with an odyssey of traveling all day yesterday that uh, is leaving me rather numb. But my man, Max, is on beach-wise. He is out there, man. I have man. no clue what you're talking about. I have no clue what you're talking about, I heard Max is living the life. Hey, it must be nice. I wish I could enjoy that. <laughs> La vida loca, baby. No, no, Max, Max, you you don't count. We 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 done with you. You just you just all over the place, there, Max. He is. Listen, hey, I might be all over the place, but I'm still always in the same place on these (laughs) dials, right, guys? I still show up and show out, no matter the circumstances. That's it. (laughs) We had zero calls yesterday because the the ninjas just wanted to let you guys uh, um, get all the fun today. We had 30 calls last week, 177 calls. Uh, this season. Uh, go ahead, Juan. Hey, so you guys already answered the question because I was about to um, ask. Um, so with the um, Cam here, they throw the flag on him, but we know Cam, if he wanted to punch that guy, he was a, he would have punched that guy. And also with the Najee, um, when he didn't throw a flag for that, and with the Cam sign, he was literally on the ground, and the guy hit him helmet to helmet. So that should have been a flag for hitting a defenseless player. So what you guys got to say about that? Because I know you answered about go give me some more recap. I'm I'm just frosted about it, you know, because if you're gonna spend all that time belly aching about Cam punching somebody, it, that wasn't a punch because Cam, like I said, if pa- if Cam punches you, you're gonna know he's punching you. I mean, I've I've seen that from from day one when he was a young buck. But here's the other thing about it. That was a dangerous hit by Storm Norton on Cam Sutton. There was no need to do that. Now, in my day, well, those things were let loose because that's the way the game was played. It was a different time, and they had, you know, it was different rules and everything else. But that, when you have a beef eater flying through the air and putting his helmet in your ear hole. A beef eater. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly yeah. what it was, you know. And I, I found it very, very wrong that they didn't, didn't draw a flag on either Kaiser White or, uh, you know, Storm Norton. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a frustration. It was, well, it was, yeah, it was a frustration because those were obvious things. Right. And I get there's other things surrounded around the play, right? Because you think of 
with Najee, it's whether he got the first down or not. So they're they're preempted with something else, not realizing the trigger for that action. And then, of course, with Storm Norton, it's a turnover and trying to make sure that he secured the ball all the way to the ground, survived the, the catch, right. so to speak. But you forget the act that follows it. And that's kind of where the Chargers got away with it because it was happening at another pivotal point in the game where something mattered, either A, first down, or B, a turnover um, of possession, whereas – you know, with the cam, the focal point was just he got the first down and he stopped him short. So that was it. It was just a really big play. So a lot more emphasis went to it, which kind of teed me off because if you want consistency with the refereeing position, these are those moments where you have to be holistic. There's a reason why there's a bunch of you out there. It's not just one guy like a boxing match, right? One referee in the ring to control that square. It's got to be more. Yeah, I agree with you guys because any worried about um safety of the players. So yeah, all right, see, all right, keep yeah. going, buddy. Okay, hey, thanks, guys. Uh, hey, I, I got two things I want to get out there real quick. I'm gonna go through them. I got them written out so I can get them together. Uh, the fourth quarter, 12:30 mark, uh, second and goal at the three yard line. Ben in the center, Harris in the eye formation at the nine and a half yard line. What was the call? A jet sweep left to right with Claypool for a two yard loss back to the five-yard line. Then Ben looks at the sideline and shoves his shoulders with hands out, not once, but twice. Then on the very next play, third and goal at the five-yard line, Ben at the 10-yard line, Harris in the caboose to the left. Ben drops back to the 14-yard line to uh, attempting a, a, a pass over the middle, and it's batted down. Uh, again, Ben looks uh, at the sideline, and you can see the frustration on his face. And then the fourth and goal from the five-yard line, Ben back at the 10-yard line, pass and offense on the defense, equal to first and goal at the one-yard line, and Harris over the top. Finally, Harris over the top for the TD. Now, my comments uh, – uh, go ahead, make your comments on that. You got no, it doesn't matter. You just laid it out. We, we got we to go to break, CR. So go ahead and finish up real okay. quick. Okay. Uh, don't worry about who, who's, who's here. We'll play with who we got. Uh, next man up does not mean uh, the standard is the standard. In any case, uh, in the meantime, in between time, here we go, Steelers. Here we go. All right, fellas. Thanks so much. Appreciate you so very much. Thanks, guys. We got to go to break. We'll be back with more. A little wrap-up here with Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. One of the highlights thus far over the first 10 games has been our first-round draft pick, Najee Harris. Najee is the first rookie in franchise history to reach a 1,000-yard scrimmage over the first 10 games. 1,000 yards of scrimmage yards in 10 games. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Now, this game here... Uh, you know, his carries and touches and snaps, they were all, I think, the second lowest of his 10-game career thus far. But I got to say this. This young man is doing a good job to an excellent job in all facets, you know, whether it's rushing the ball, uh, receiving the ball, or some of his blitz pickups that he's been doing and helping out in that area. But this guy, is uh, he's, he's, he's been significant. I've got two words for you, Wolf. Okay. As advertised. Yeah, okay. That works. Yeah, right? 
That, that works. Because that's what we thought he was going to be, and he has lived up to that billing. He's lived up to the expectations that were placed on him, right? He's, they said, hey, this kid's a three-down back. This kid is just as good running the ball as he is catching the ball out of the backfield. And he's been that. And like you said, the blitz pickup was really nice to see that he's going to get physical with you in there. And his presence is missed when he's not in there. You know he's not in the game when he takes a playoff. It's evident. And I think that's what you expect and want out of – you know, I won't even say expect. This is what you want out of a first-round pick. You want True. them to make an impact – from day one, and he's been that from that. So that's why I say two words as advertised. We knew he was going to be here on Sundays, but now he's making himself known on Sundays from day one. You know, it's funny because I saw his frustration on the one pitch to the outside, and one of the things, the elements that I think he's added so much to his game is when you pitch that ball to the outside, he's got that speed to get to the perimeter. Now, if we get some blocks – out there and the one thing that Danny Moore does really well is run out there he can get on people he launched a dude out uh I'm trying to remember what play that was but he launched somebody out there um, oh it was uh, it was uh, it was on the truck play they ran truck to the outside okay describe truck was, well sorry sorry T toss 38 truck so where that is is tackle pulls right and tackles out in space tackle has the kick out receiver or tight end type inside blocking type Got it. has the alley and so what danny moore did kick that guy out Najee cuts back to the inside because the wall's been set and a straight line to run up the that field. was our toss so 29 crack yeah okay that's what yeah. we used to call it all right so now we know the truck and crack are the same thing <laughs> yes yes but you know what exactly. i love is that element that that naji has now when you toss him the ball he's able to use his speed to the perimeter and it's about making sure that you get the people getting that alleyway cleared up so they can use that speed and i think that's an element that they can productively go after and use more often not to mention the fact that uh i i think i just believe the screen game has got to grow you know the screen game is just something that you know, with so much downfield action and, uh, you know, all the elements that that brings, and especially if you can get uh, hit Chase Claypool a couple times and some long balls, Deontay Johnson and some stuff, uh, that the screen game to me is such an important aspect of the offense that's underutilized here. Well, yeah, running back and tight end um, screens all have to be in there. I remember we used to have a nice little middle screen back in the day yes. when, I, when, I, when I was there. And that middle screen used to hit, and we've got we we've got to figure out a way to do that because, like you said, when you're stretching the field, you have to take those shots to loosen guys up because you can't run it when it's when guys are tight to the box, right? Um, or in the box count. So you would love to think that every other team runs it and runs it effectively. You know why haven't we been able to replicate that or get some reps into where we can be in that type of game? Because I honestly think the tight end delays. Are, are working out, you know, pretty good. And, and we need to actually just incorporate them a little bit more, you know, because I remember, heck, I remember in Super Bowl, Heath, Heath in Super Bowl 43 took a tight end screen off of my side. Right. And we ran the tight end screen up the middle, and it was like a 25-yard hit um, in the game. And so, I mean, there's just so many great elements. And as a tackle, I look forward to that. I was like, I get out in open space, and I get to just just chug and chuck. You know what I'm right. saying? You know how that goes. You know, you chug downfield, 
boom, boom. It's like a battering ram, right? You know, trying to create a path on the scene for your for your tight end. And those are those are some elements where you also give guys the opportunity to be more the aggressor than being the reactor. And and that's what you want, right? It's a pseudo run game type of feel. It's bait, bait, and then attack. I really believe as we move along here, again, we're going to see. By the way, I got to meet the Muth. <laughs> I met, oh, I happened, you I happened across, Yeah, I got to meet the Muth. Happened across him in the elevators. We were going about our business, but it was fun. It was <laughs> enjoyable to meet him. Fine young man. Looking forward to what he's going to bring to this team because this young guy has got so much potential to grow into that position. But, you know, we already knew that he had it. But the other thing about it is the, the complimentary work by Zach Gentry and Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron, what a nice job he ran when you had that three-man set. You're three and one, and you have that two vertical guys and, and you know, a little out route underneath um, clearing out that area inside the five-yard line. And, you know, Eric is so athletic. You know, I, I got some issues with his blocking, obviously. So what? You know, at some point in time, it's like, Use him for what he is, and that's what he is. A excellent receiver with excellent athletic ability, and he showed it getting into the end zone. Absolutely. I mean, that was a perfect, like you said, perfect play design in that situation to be that close. I would prefer that over that jet sweep. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> you know yes. <laughs> I you think know, you're right. Out, allow those guys. Yeah, allow those guys because, right, it's, not, it's creating an unintentional rub route. Because you have the clear outs and that guy. Okay, is now you're looking. lying. Unintentional. Is that, that's not the word. Okay, intentionally Excuse unintentional. <laughs> intentionally unintentional. He's trying to get to his blockers. If that said blocker happens, you know, happens to run into the guy that's defending him. Oops. So be it. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. Better communicate. Probably should have went to zone instead of man. Uh, you know, <laughs> But, but, but I think that that's one of the things where you get that creativity because you're, you have to create space when you get in the, when you get tighter in the red zone, right? Because space is a premium because everything constricts because you have that 12th defender, which is the back line of the end zone. So the closer you get to it, they only have to defend so much space. You're not defending, you know, 30, 40 yards behind you. You have about a 15 to 20 yard cushion. So I need to keep everything in front of me. So we're going to play it tight. In this situation, you go man, you run, you run that kind of that kind of drag down the sideline behind both of your guys who are running to the back post to either go post and corner um, in the end zone, and boom, you're wide open. Now make an athletic move within five, within three to five yards of the goal line, make it happen. And Eric Ebron did, and I thought that was a that was a great play design. But I could just question some of the other ones that are more cutesy or more you know, nouveau type of style instead of getting back to something that's just easy. Pound the rock because you have bigger bodies on your side of the ball than they have. Very, very much so. You know, watching that, um, I, I love the fact when you can artfully design a combination route with a couple of guys that puts a, in, a player in conflict like they do, when you run one route underneath the guy, one over the top, and he's got to go, Mm ha, you know, to do a little Myronism. Mm ha. Do I drop a little bit to try to stay underneath the over the top guy, or do I come up and enforce and, and close on the underneath guy? So I love those type of, uh, you know, the, the skilled uh, selection and the route running there. That's to me 
that shows a little bit of mastery in you know offensive coordinating and and also the uh, what the wide receivers do. But the one that the the thing that that gets me the most about this game, besides the finish with the offensive line, was the finish with the defense when Mike Williams caught that fifty what one yarder or fifty three yarder or whatever it was down the sideline. Yeah. Zero. That was that was distressing because that's a Minka Fitzpatrick special, being able to make sure everybody's on the same page. He's one of those guys that gets the back end all lined up, and for whatever reason, and we're not going to point fingers. Uh, you know, I, I know Cam Sutton. You got a Arthur Mallette blitzed off the slot somehow uh, between him and Trey Norwood. There was some misinformation communicated or not communicated. Yeah, communication is key, and when you don't have one of those guys who's a major communicator. It, it really makes it tough. And that was the glaring moment where we saw the communication completely break down. And you have Mike Williams, who hadn't scored a touchdown since week five. Yeah, There's a reason why. Um, get into the end zone, and that was that was the backbreaker. But, you know, it, it was a valiant effort that was, that was, you know, just all for naught at the end of it. So not, not pointing blame at any one person because, listen, guys overcame that entire game, but it was just a tough moment to witness and to know what could have been had you had the proper person that led. Oh, it was so close. Gadzooks, you know, I, yeah. I for a moment I thought uh, Millette might have an opportunity. To, you know, when I first saw him come screaming off the backside, I'm like going, Gadzooks, I think we got something here. And then, of course, somebody uh, cut him and he flew in the air, and then the, the rest of it is history. But regardless – uh, Max, you got what's today now? What's it looking like uh, as you beachify yourself? Uh, sunny, a little bit of wind. Um, I have about 85. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to apply some sunscreen and I'm going to go jump in the ocean. Are you going to do any body surfing? No body surfing, but it is whale season down here. So we might do a whale watching uh, expedition. And no, that doesn't mean me. Look, people looking at me while I lay out in the beach, on the beach. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Max, thank you so much. We'll pick up with you tomorrow as we prepare for Thanksgiving. And there's a lot to be thankful for, for uh, folks. And one of them is the fact that you all come in and listen, hang out with us here in the locker room. So God bless. Yeah. Be well. And Max, I'll see you tomorrow. And everybody else will be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for the Mike Tomlin press conference. We'll be back after this.